sisters, this is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. We want to welcome you back to the Promise of Our Father podcast. We want to thank all our listeners out there who's been listening to the words of eternal life. We want to thank all our spiritual leaders out there that's doing the work of the ministry, edifying the body of Christ, walking in the stature as a perfect man or perfect woman that God called us into being. So the fact of the matter that where we're at and what we are doing it is of God. And I pray that you continue to, st- to continue to stay prayed up and to walk in the spirit of him and the promise of our father and continue to do the work of the ministry that God called you to. Each and every individual that is listening to this call and that's going to hear this sermonic presentation has a purpose in life for God. When we leave behind what we've been doing for ourselves and for others and for our loved ones, as we're going to see in this message, we're going to have to realize that is all about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus had to leave the family of Mary. Huh? But when he was 12, he said, I'm about my father's business. He wasn't old enough to be on his own. So God had 18 more years of training. But when he become 30 and he came into the fullness of the understanding what his purpose was in life, he began to walk in the authority and he began to pray according to the words of eternal life. He said, Father, he said, and the word says that in Jesus prayed and the windows of heaven opened and the Spirit of God as the promise of our Father and the bread of God as the bread of life came down on the Spirit of Jesus as the Lamb of God and fulfilled the manifestation of what God was calling him into. So now, my brothers and sisters, all of us has to go through a process of being fulfilled in the Spirit of God and the promise of our Father. Amen? So we're going to have to continue doing what God called us to do. My brother, we're going to have to continue doing what God called us to do. And we're going to work out the ministry of the reconciliation because God is calling us into a place to be who God wants us to be. Without further ado, we're going to come from out of the book of Matthews. And we ask that you continue to keep your sword. And I use a lot of scriptures for the purpose of us understanding that we don't have to go back and research the scriptures. It says you've searched the scriptures. You may think you have eternal life. This word is about as real as it comes my brothers and sisters. So I want you to realize that God is doing a new thing in the earthly realm so that we can walk in the authority that he promised. God promised you and God promised me eternal life. So my brothers and sisters, I want you to realize that God is calling us into a place. Amen. He calling us into a place to be anointed by the spirit of him and the promise of our father. Without father do, let's go to the scriptures real quick. Let's go to Matthew's chapter 19, verse 28 uh, and through 30. Matthew's chapter 19, verse 28 through 30. And I'm going to read as soon as I can find it. Here it is right there. Matthew's 28. Excuse me, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 28 through 30. And it reads, so Christ said to them, he was talking to the disciples and he was teaching to the disciples because they was asking him a question about uh, how do I, what do I have to do to enter into the kingdom of God? And he was saying it was, it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go through. Huh? 
to go through the uh, to go through uh, to have eternal life or to have the kingdom of God. But what he was comparing the kingdom of God with was a, with a man, because then he went to say it is impossible. All these things are impossible with men, but with God. So therefore, the man became a camel. The camel had the mindset that he couldn't go through the eye of a needle, but it wasn't talk about an eye of a needle like we was supposing. Over there in Israel, there was a place where the camel had to go through, and it was small, and the camel had to bend down to get in to get it through. But the fact of the matter, if the camel was dumb and didn't have anyone to guide them or lead them to go through it, they would always think or they always thought they couldn't go through that place. They had to go all the way around wherever other entrance that was for them to get into. So, the, the, so, 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 so God compared that to a man. He says, let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, and my sisters and brothers. I want you to realize that it is possible with God to receive what a camera can't. If a camera would have changed his mind about where he was at, he could have went through if he had thought out the process. Huh? But he had other cameras in front of him that was leading and said, they turned around, that's what they did. So they left because the ones that was in front of them. So this is what we do as the children of God. My mama and them, my dad and them taught us the things we believe in because that's what they was taught. Huh? But now God's saying that all things are possible with me if you believe in my son Christ. So God was saying that in the process of it being possible, you're going to have to get with the process of understanding how it become. So in Matthews 28, that brings me to the point where Christ said to them, or surely I say to you that in the new generation, in the new generation, I want you to realize in the new generation, when the son of man, sits on the throne of his glory. Say glory. See, when he says the son of man, he's talking about Jesus. Hey, he says when the son of man. So somebody has to take Jesus as the son of man to sit on the throne. So with men, it is impossible, even with Jesus. But God says with the, in the new generation, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, and the reason he says the Son of Man, as we're going to go through this message, we're going to have to see that the Son of Man was needed for the Son of God to take him there. Okay, glory. So now he says, huh, in Matthews, Matthews, Matthews 19, verse 28, or surely I say to you, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So now in the regeneration, there's a group of people that's going to follow the, pipe, the, 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 the process of the Son of Man because you got to realize there's three seats that is up there. You got the seat of God, you got the seat of Christ, and you got the seat of the Son of Man who is Jesus that was birthed from out of the Holy Spirit. So now we got to realize that when the Son of Man began to start judging, it's a picture of what we're going to do through the 12 tribes. Huh? 
sitting on the 12, judging the 12th tribe. See, it is our time now because we are part of the regeneration. His generation already come, but we are part of the regeneration. When we get down to it, we're going to find out what regenerations mean. Come on. So now in verse 29 in Matthew 19, and he says, and everyone, that means you who are listening to this semantic presentation, and everyone who has left, that means me, <laughs> as teaching this semantic presentation, and as everyone who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or bishop, or pastors, or preachers, or church, or cathedral, or wherever you worship God and has left these things, your children, your children's children, your grandson, your granddaughter, left land, left investment, left 401k. See, you got to leave these things. He ain't saying get rid of them. He's saying that you got to understand. Huh? He's saying that, let me tell you, he's saying that you have to understand, don't get rid of it. You have to understand that I'm in charge as God. And if you choose these things and make a God of this world out of me, out of that, saying it's me, he said that you cannot inherit it. Say glory. Huh? The eternal life that I'm trying to give you. So now let me read it as it says it in the scriptures. And everyone who has left house, Houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or husband for that case or children or land for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherited eternal life. Now, this is powerful, my brother, because people don't realize what he is actually saying. Now, all this teaching he was teaching, he was teaching and he's going to let us know that he was teaching this for our purpose. See, the purpose of God is manifested through the glory of the teaching of Christ. And the purpose of Christ's teaching and the glory of the teaching of Christ came from God teaching Christ for his glory. So he's saying that we have to leave behind these things. I don't think Christ, I don't think Christ was teaching in the part where, see, when you see the red writing, it's Christ's teaching. Let's get that straight. So I don't think Christ was teaching the disciples and teaching us as a disciples that we need to leave mama and them alone. That we need to leave dad and them alone. We don't need to throw away our 401k because that's the purpose of us laboring for what we did over the years. But what he's saying to us is that we've been putting people as our family members, our children, our sons and our daughters and our loved ones and our husbands and our wives and our jobs and our money and all these things, houses and cars and land in front of me and making me out of a God that gives stuff and make me who I am as God. God is Spirit. And they that come to God must worship him in spirit and truth. So I can't come to God in flesh if he's a spirit. I need to learn how to train my mind and my body and my spirit to get into a place where God abides. So therefore, he's saying if you don't leave these things, you cannot inherit the hundredfold. So we're going to discuss a few things. Huh? And the name of the title of this, if I had a title to name this, the regeneration class of people. 
So the regeneration class of people are the people who believe in the spirit of him and the promise of our father and that God promised us eternal life. And I was saying the other day, all, all of us can be spiritual, but everybody can be holiness. Had glory. See, when God said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, he says, and renew the spirit of your mind. Huh? Renewing the spirit of your mind. And he says, put on the new man. Put on the new woman that is created after God. In true holiness, it didn't say too spiritually or too spiritually or too spiritually. He said in true holiness and in true eternal life, which is said in true righteousness, because in the way of righteousness is eternal life. Proverbs 12, 28. And there is no depth in his path. So you can't receive God being spiritual, thinking you holy. So there's a body of spirit, there's a spiritual body, a body that's made without hands that God wants you to have and want me to have so that we can walk in the authority of the glory, the glory of his spirit. So you can't worship God in spirituality. And there's a lot of spiritual church folks out there. I was one of them. Let me keep reminding you, I wasn't too far from that uh, from that place myself, my brothers and sisters, until I came into the knowledge, as we're going to see here in a minute. So the regeneration class of people. Today I want to discuss the reward. Because in, 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 in Matthew 19, 28, he says, In the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes. That's a reward. So if you are not in the regeneration, you don't receive your reward. And the scriptures teaches me, and the scriptures teaches you, if you read it as I read in Colossians chapter 1, huh, verse of chapter 2, verse 1 through 16, somewhere around, and it said that, let no one cheat you out of your reward. The scriptures teaches me that uh, evil communication corrupts good habits, corrupts huh, good manners. So don't let no one cheat you out of your reward. First Corinthians, first John chapter two, verse twenty-five says, "God promised me and you eternal life." And first John chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-six it says, "And this is the reason I'm telling you what I promise that I'm writing this to you so that you don't let no one deceive you or cheat you out of your reward." So the regeneration group of people or the regeneration family understands that they are not letting no one cheat them out of their reward. Because your reward, can you imagine, you can't judge nothing if your lips are glued together, if your tongue is glued to your, the palate of your mouth. You can't say anything. Your eyes ain't even open, joker. How you going to say something to somebody when you can't even see somebody you want to say something to? And plus, your mouth glued together, stitched together, sewed together. However they do it in the funeral home, I don't know how they do it because I ain't passing that away. And I pray that you have the same attitude and the same mindset that God gave me. He said, but in the regeneration, hey, glory, you can't sit down if you're already laying down. <laughs> if you're laying down, you can't sit where the Son of God and the Son of Man and the God himself is sitting on the 12 tribes. Huh? In the regeneration. 
So we have to leave a place to get to a place where God wants us to be. So I want to discuss, we will discuss those who left things of important behind to follow Christ. Huh? What is the name's sake purpose? Because he says, for my name's sake, you got to leave some things behind to receive eternal life and a hundredfold. But first, let's look at the few, a few scriptures to get us started with the, this sermonic presentation, my brothers. In Luke 24, 45, it says, Then Christ said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which was written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning himself. Now, you just heard me say in Psalms, 20, in Psalms 12, 28, in the way of eternal life, huh? In the way of righteousness, there's eternal life. And there's no death in its path. You heard me start out with speaking of Moses in the intro before I started recording. And Moses was teaching that he's the high priest of Aaron, although Aaron was the high priest of the people. So we got to realize that God has already called us from out of these prophets, from out of these Psalms, and from out of the book of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books in Genesis, huh? In chapter 3, it tells you in 321 and 322, they have become like one of us. Unless they reach their hands out to know good and evil, and they reach their hands out to know good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil from the tree. But if they eat from the tree of eternal life, they shall live forever again. This is in the book of Moses, in the book of Exodus. It's talk about the blood over the doorpost where the deaf angel flee. God is speaking to us from out of the Psalms, from out of the book of Moses, from out of the prophets to teach us. He says, Christ said in verse 45, he says, and Christ open their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. You know, you have to understand that there's a lot of people that know scriptures, but there's not a lot of people that has the comprehension. See, the scriptures teaches us in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says that the secret things belongs to God. But the things that is revealed, it belongs to his children and our children's children, and it belongs to you to teach our children. So God's secret has to be revealed in order for us to understand the regeneration process. So now God is saying, he said, I did these things. This is when he came through the doors that were shut, when they touched the body that was in the image of the body that was created on the sixth day. Huh? When God rested on the seventh day and Christ breathed on the seventh day, the body that was made on the sixth day into the body that was in the dust of the ground, that was made from the dust of the ground. So now you began to understand that this is what he was teaching. This is what I was trying to teach you. All this time. So God is speaking his words of eternal life. Then Christ said to them, this is written and this is necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. See, there's a lot of things that happen on the third day, but people don't realize the purpose of the third day. The third day wasn't The third day wasn't for Christ. The third day was for the body of Jesus. 
Jesus needed the third day, not Christ, because the Christ abides forever. But the body as the lamb died on the cross needed the third day. But Christ was in the body of the lamb as the Holy Spirit that was named Jesus. And Christ put himself into that body to raise that body from the dead. That's why I say, do you not know the power of his resurrection? Hey! The power of Christ's resurrection. Jesus never raised nobody from the dead. Jesus ain't never raised Lazarus from the dead. That joker needed somebody to raise him from the dead. How you going to raise somebody if you need somebody to raise you? Oh, y'all going to get rid of me. I can see this already, but I love you anyway. When you do get rid of me, still pray for me, brothers and sisters. I thank you for the prayer in advance. But let me show you something. Most people don't realize that the third day wasn't for Christ, per se. It was for Jesus. Although Romans 8, 9, 10, and 11 says, And God who raised Jesus, and God who raised Christ from the dead, if you receive the Spirit and the promise of our Father, Father, and the Spirit of God dwells in you, it will what? Huh? It will quicken or give life to your mortal body. So Jesus' body needed Christ's body. Christ's body needed God's body. So when God raised Christ, he was really raising Jesus. Because when Jesus was raised by Christ, it was really the power of God. So now we had a point well, we want to understand the third day because of the knowledge. This is why he had to be raised from the third day, because of the knowledge of the glory of God. In Luke chapter 1, verse 77, it says that in Jesus, as the son of Mary, as Emmanuel, he came to teach the knowledge of salvation. But in Ephesians, Christ come to teach the eternal glory. Out in Ephesians and Hebrews, he come to teach the eternal salvation. And my brothers and sisters, there's a difference in eternal salvation. Hey, glory. Versus in being in salvation. The knowledge of salvation. The knowledge of salvation. All you got to do is go to Romans chapter 10 and 9 and 10 and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead and you shall be saved. But the knowledge of the law, the knowledge of salvation, the knowledge of the eternal salvation of God has to understand the process to get into the generation that was reconsidered by God as his people, the regeneration group of people. Oh, glory. So because of the knowledge of the glory of God would be manifested when the third day in our bodies through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus' body. So let's go to scriptures. Because we need to see, we need to understand that Jesus' body, we need to understand that we needed Jesus' body enter into the process of the, of the regeneration. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is the God who, comm who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
So the knowledge of the glory came through Jesus that was Christ by the body that Christ was in through Jesus. So the knowledge of the glory of God came through the knowledge of the glory of the, of the face of Jesus. Because Jesus' face had to show up on the scene in order to take away the body of sin. Okay. See, sin leads to death. So Jesus came for sin and death, but Christ came to restore that which was dead in the body that was sin and death. Because the body remains dead until God do something in the resurrection of the power of Christ's body that was in Jesus' body. So now I want to bring us to, in verse 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 7 now, but we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. So we have a vessel that is of God, that God wants us to realize that we possess this through the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit of who God is as our Father. So God wants us to know that I'm giving you all these things so that you can have to operate in the place where I want you to be in the regeneration. But we have this earthly treasure or this earthen vessel that the excellence of the power is of God and not we ourselves. When the last time you laid hands on yourself and asked God through the power that he has given you authority over all flesh in your body, when the last time you laid hands on yourself and was, uh, and if, if, it, if it didn't work like it do for me sometimes, I tried again. I said, you're going you, you gonna to have to work. You done put all this anointing and power on me. You're going to have to work. So if you're not working the work and practicing what God has given you the authority in, you're going to just lie dormant and it's going to rust away. So this might be something someone needs to hear here who's going through something in their body. Touch your body and speak to your body. Touch it again when it start hurting again. Touch it again if it start hurting again. Touch it until it start listening to you. Because the scripture says, my sheep know my voice. Even your body as a sheep has to know your voice before your voice is understood or known by Christ's voice. Just because somebody hollered, daddy, daddy, that doesn't make them my son or my daughter. Huh? I may recognize the voice, but I have to see the faith. I have to see it happening. Oh, I got to get out of all that. So the excellence of the power is of God that is in this treasure, in this earthen vessel. So everything we have, I was teaching the other day that uh, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit is the lamb. Uh-oh. See? So the lamb is the temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? So now you have something dwelling in you that bought you with a price. Yeah, glory. So now God is teaching us this earthen vessel has to be understood that the excellence of it comes from out of the power of God. And they say we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. I love this part because this is the part the church don't want to go through. See, you got to go through the hard places in order to get to the place where the power and the anointing is manifested. 
Because the manifestation comes from out of the hard places. You can't get a grape, and you can't get a grape and get the grape juice from out of the grape if it ain't hard-pressed. That's what makes great wine when the wine is hard-pressed on every side and everything that's in it, every, nutri every nutrients and everything that's in the grape is preserved in what you're squeezing from out of it. And that's what makes the power of God manifest in the glory of the grape when, it, when wine tastes good. So the fact of the matter is the pressing, being hard-pressed. You can't get in despair because you're in something. You can't get struck down or destroyed. You can't get, for, you got to let it happen and let it be and start speaking and calling things as not as though they were as the Spirit of God dwells in you if you are a temple. So we got to manifest the glory of the spirit of him and the promise of our father. So in verse 9, it says persecuted but not forsaken. There's going to be some persecution by your family members, by your loved ones, by your house, by your cars. Every now and then, I, I, I need a few dollars to pay my mortgage, you see what I'm saying? Because I got in a hard place, but it wasn't a hard place that wasn't recognized by God. God brought me in that place to see how I was going to operate when I was persecuted and hard-pressed on every side in this earthen vessel. And I said to myself, and I said to my wife, I said, we're going to come out of this. I said, I got you in this hill. We're going to get you out of it. Had glory. See, I always had confidence. And even if I lost all of it, if I lose my house and I lose my car and I lose the things that I love the most, it's all right as long as I hold on to eternal life. You can't take that from it, Joker. You can take all kinds of material stuff, my brothers and sisters, and I want you to know, oh, I'm going with it, brother. Let me see what I can do. I want you to know something, brothers and sisters, that God is doing such a powerful thing in the earthly realm where he got us walking in the authority. And I hope I'm teaching and, te and speaking these words of eternal life to encourage you. So let's go to verse 10. It says in verse 10, I think it's a 10 in there, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Now, this is the part I've been trying to get to. See, we're always carrying. You remember the third day? I told you earlier that the third day was for Jesus. Ah, not for the Christ. The Christ come to preserve the body of Jesus that was going through the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So in verse 10 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says and reads, always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus was just Jesus until he was baptized by the Lord God. You can't be something by something if you're not something you want to be and let somebody tell you you are what you are not if they ain't guided themselves. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and it says, And the Lord God, come on, and the Lord God made man from the dust of the ground. Huh? And breathed into his nostrils, and man became a living soul. But God was resting on the seventh day. So the Lord God, who is Christ, had to have made had made everything, according to John chapter 1 and 1, verse 2 and 3. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was the word was with God, and the word was God. Nothing that was made was not made out of the one that was with God, that was the Lord. The Lord God made man from the dust of the ground. God was resting. 
Oh, brothers, I hope I'm giving you something today to make you wonder what God is doing in the earthly realm right now. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. See, the Lord Jesus wasn't even in the earth because the Lord Jesus was the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus was the Lord Holy Spirit. Huh? The Holy Spirit had flesh before Jesus, who was the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, as the Lord, had to become the Lord only after he received the Lord God. You cannot become the Lord of God until you are baptized by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Lord Jesus had always died in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus. See, see, not the life of the Lord Jesus, but the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. Come on. My brothers and sisters, the life of Jesus. So Jesus is our illustration, but the church got to start teaching beyond Jesus. So when you hear me calling out the names of Pastor Bishop, I'm not talking. I'm trying to show them. I wish they would get mad at me and start saying something different besides Jesus. And explain to the church or the members or their members who is the Lord Jesus, who is the Lord God, and who is God as the Lord. I got a message in the podcast. If you want to look at it, just go through the podcast. You can catch it. I broke that down already. So my brothers and sisters, look what he said. They're always caring about in our bodies, the dying of the Lord Jesus. So let me say this as I was speaking this to my wife. You can't raise a body that is dead with a dead body that you keep on trying to raise. So if you're saying tomorrow is not promised, and you are saying that we're all not going to be here forever. And you are saying that, you know what I mean, we all have to die. You are laying a dead body on top of a dead body. So when Elijah went into the upper room where the young boy passed away, who he gave the seraphim, the seraphim woman who gave him all this stuff and she made him change it to all, gave it to all. He, the, that woman there, that woman there, she said, look here, Joker, you come to my house with all this anointing and talking about who you are and all that. He said, go get him. Tell him to come back. My son done died. He said, look, what I, this is what I need you to do. You say you had the power to raise my son up, dude, because if not, I'm going to pour this all on you and I'm going to try to drown your butt. You you better raise my son up talking about who you are as God. So what he did when he went in there, he laid his body, hey, a living body, or he turned a body on a dead body, and he produced a live body. And the boy raised up and was a normal child and started eating and started talking and started celebrating because a live body had to lay on a dead body. So my brothers and sisters, if you are still talking about tomorrow's not promised and we ain't gonna be here forever. You were putting a dead body on top of a dead body. Come on. You can't do nothing with that. God can't even do nothing with that because you're presenting two dead bodies. You are not presenting the bodies that is made without hands that he made on the sixth day from out of the terrestrial, which is the Holy Spirit, and made from out of the celestial, which is the, which is the Spirit of Christ, and he made a body out of himself, and he put it into himself, a body that was made from out of the celestial and terrestrial, and made one body, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Christ, as the Lord God, breathed into the nostrils of a man, the three 
three bodies and the one body became a living soul. Come on. Thus say glory. Thus say glory. Even thus needed the three bodies to live forever again. Unless you put your, even thus needed the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit glory to live forever again. My brothers and sisters, because when Christ breathed into the dust that was formed from the dust of the ground, Christ breathed the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into dust. See? So much of forming of dust accumulated up to clay. So much of formulation of clay formed up to a body. So the dust needed the glory of the fullness of the Godhead just like we did. Because the dust had already experienced death. You couldn't put death on dust as a live body. You had to put the body of God in the fullness of the Godhead on the body of dust in order for dust to revive and be a part of the regeneration. Because the word of God says, and the life. That glory shall abide forever. My God. Boy, I got to get out of all this here. So my brother's always caring about in the body. The dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also manifest in our bodies. So if Jesus is manifested in your body, you got to understand where his life comes from in order for to have the life of the body of Jesus. Hmm? So the church is still teaching the dead body of Jesus at the cross. Even Jesus ran from the cross out of the body through the blood that was that was that was that was that was pierced from out of his side. Even he cried just like he, he cried just like, like Cain and Abel. He cried just like Abel when Cain slew Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, the blood cried out from the ground. God said, man, what you done done, Abel? Huh? What you, excuse me, what you done done, Cain? Oh, don't worry about that and done. Am I my brother keep? Ooh-wee. If I can ever see that God doing Cain, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, if I ever see Cain, I'm going to choke him. Daddy gonna have to get me off on him, but I'm gonna go tell him. I'm, I'm about my brother's, my brother. I'm, I'm about my brother' business, man. You don't talk to my daddy like that. Who are you, Joker? Huh? So the blood of Jesus even ran from the cross because Christ promised He would come back. Yeah, I will come back to, and receive you to myself. See, you thought it was the body. The body was prepared for the new tomb, which was the Lamb. The lamb didn't need Christ. It was the blood where the life of the flesh was that needed God, yeah, that needed Christ, that needed the Holy Spirit that was in the tomb. So he went, got him, and brought him back. And they started preparing the ceremony in the new tomb. You got to listen to that one too. My brothers and sisters, Jesus' body is always being manifested in our bodies. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me get me a little drink here. So my brothers and sisters, we're always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And the problem with the life of Jesus being manifested in our bodies 
The church is teaching the people to put a dead body on top of a body that is dead. So we always caring about the death and the dying of our Lord Jesus in our bodies. We need to understand how Jesus received his life. For we all, we who, and, 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 for we who are live, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, where I was trying to get to. For we who live in the regeneration are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. See? So we are delivered to his death, but we are actually anointed into his resurrection and burial. So for we who live in the regeneration are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. And this is why it is appointed to man and woman to die once, according to Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. But those who eagerly wait for Christ's appearing a second time will a part of the, the who is a part of the regeneration group of people, huh? So we got to understand that those who are part of the regeneration group of people gonna be eagerly waiting for the coming of Christ. See, see when Christ come back, it, it, see people think he's gonna just be Christ. See, it's the, it's the promise of our Father of. You shall receive the promise of our Father, huh? And you shall be endowed. See, if they're sitting now, if they're sitting right now at the right hand, huh? Judging the 12 tribes of Israel, if they're the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, He's coming back in the fullness. Hey, glory. So now we got in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, you got Christ who looked like Jesus. You got Jesus who looked like Christ, but you got Christ and Jesus who's actually God, who looked like Melchizedek. Uh-oh, I better get out of there. Come on. So now you got the three that's coming back at his appearance. Look what the scripture says in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, for those who will live... And know that God has promised them eternal life through his eternal spirit are always delivered to the death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal glory, in our mortal flesh, in our mortal body. And then the scripture says in 2 Timothy 1.10, it says, Well, Christ has now been revealed. By the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought eternal life and immortality, immortality to light through the gospel of Christ. And look what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, 54. It says, so when the corruptible, the corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal body has put on immortality, then the, the sand shall be brought to pass. The sand shall be brought to pass that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory by eternal life. Come on. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. My brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, the word of God is so powerful. I want you to know that God is doing such a powerful thing. I wanna talk a little bit briefly about the hundredfold. And I wanna talk a little bit briefly about the in his name. For his name's sake. 
No, I'm going to paraphrase this because I want to, because I got a moment at a point where I don't want to go over. But I want you to realize, my brothers and sisters, uh, this namesake is what gets me. So I'm going to go to John, and I'm going to see if I can walk through it without getting all jumpy around. You know, I get all jumpy around. John 16, verse 22, because we got to find out what his namesake is. He says, if you give up all these things, your house, your car, your investments and all that, if you stop putting that first and put me first for my namesake. So I'm exchanging everything that I possessed in material stuff for a name. Yeah. So let's find out what name that I'm exchanging all these things for if it's Christ. Let's find out what it is in John chapter 16, verse 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, uh-oh, he will give you. So I'm giving up everything for Christ's name's sake. So whatever I ask God, if I have Christ's name, God will give to me. God will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Uh-oh. <clears throat> and you will receive that your joy may be full. So I'm asking in his name. If I'm asking in the name of Jesus, I'm not asking in his name. See, because everybody thinks Jesus is the name of Christ. No, it's Christ Jesus. Now, if you say the Lord Jesus, I'm not against all that, but you have to understand the comprehension and the teaching of the scriptures. I'm telling you these things because it comes from out of the prophets. The prophet John is teaching us that his name is what? Ask and you will receive in my name. John 16, 25. These things I've spoken to you in, figurative, in, in a figurative sense or a figurative language. But the time is coming when you no longer speak to you in a figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. And I will do not, I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. So once you get the name of God that you should be praying him, he says, you don't have to ask no more. Just keep calling my name. Say glory. For the Father himself loved you because you have loved me and have believed that I had come forth from God. So whatever we speak in the name that he's supposed to be called for his name's sake, we will speak in the name of God because whatever comes from out of God, although it has a name as Christ, although it has a name as Jesus, although it has a name as the Lamb, although it has a name as the Holy Spirit, it is God. You are the temple, do you not know, of God. Even Christ was bought with a price. Even Jesus was bought with a price because they came forth from our own. Thank glory. My God, got to get out of all that. Verse 28, John 16, I come forth. From the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and, and using no figure of speech. 
So when Christ was teaching, and then he go into John, in John 17, he started praying. So now you realize when he started praying in John 17, he's speaking plainly of what he means by what he's, he's teaching me and you about God. He says, Father, I have lifted up my eyes and has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you as you have given me authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and the Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So now he's telling us whom his name is. He's telling us, I'm telling you plainly, I come to give you eternal life. Oh, God. My brothers and sisters, let me continue. Because his name six is in Matthew 16. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And I'm going to try to wrap this up with the scriptures. Excuse me, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. This is where he explained the parable. He explained the parable, so I'm going to drop down because of time. He explained the parable of the stony places, and he explained the parable of the sun was uh, uh, scorched, and because there was no root within it, but some fell <clears throat> among thorns. In verse 7, 13, uh, Matthew 13, 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. In verse 8, 13, 8, it says, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. You know, he's describing the church. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And for those who are on the outside, has it not been given? So we're still trying to find out his name, but the 30, 60, and 100, I'm going to show you his name in John 16. I went to John Matthew 13. I was supposed to go to Matthew 16, but that was coming up next with the hundredfold. So we just explained the hundredfold, the 30, the 60, and the, uh, the 30, the 60, and the hundredfold. No one has explained to us how we get the 30, 60, and the hundredfold. But before we get to the hundredfold, let's go where I started saying, let's go to Matthew uh, 16. Verse four, verse uh, uh, 13. That's why I went to 13. I would say 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. And it says, When Jesus, when Christ came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The Son of Man. So now he's in the body looking like Jesus as the Christ looking and saying, Who do they say that I am? Huh? What you got to say about it, Peter? I know you got you pretty bolsterous. You always got something you want to say, you joker. What you got to say about it? Who do men say that? So they said, some said John the Baptist, some said Elijah, some others said Jeremiah, other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Uh-oh, what is his name? You are the Christ. He didn't say you are the Jesus. <laughs> Come on. So when we pray in the name, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Come on. 
The son of the living God and Christ answered and said to them, Blessed be you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood cannot reveal to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I told you earlier, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God, and the things that are revealed belong to us. So now God is revealing my namesake. We got to pray in his namesake. So Christ is telling us his name. We got to give up everything for Christ, not Jesus. We need Jesus to get into the Christ, but even Jesus had to give up Mary and Martha. He had to give up all his friends, John, the Baptist. He had to give up everybody, his stepdaddy, Joseph. He had to give up all that stuff. But get in the name of Christ. When he prayed, he was ready for the name of Christ. When the last time you prayed in Christ's name? Come on. My brothers and sisters, I'm rolling you. I'm finna get this thing out the way so we can get into a place where God's gonna call us into a place where we know his name. His name. The 30, the 60, and the 104. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 13. We say that but they that that are blessed gonna receive 30, 60 to 104. Amen. So, but now watch this here. Let's go to Mark in that same passage he's talking about. Mark 4, 11, 4, 10, 4, 9, 4, 8. Let's start at 4, 8. Mark 4, 8 is the same thing, the same message in Matthews, Matthews 13, 8 through 11, 8 through 12. So let's go to verse 4. Let's go to chapter 4 in Mark, verse 8. But other seeds fell on good ground, and yet a crop that sprang up increased and produced. 30, he got 60, and some 100. This is so true, my brothers and sisters. Some 30, some 60, some 100. So if it's 30 and 60 and 100, how do you get the 30 and the 60 to become 100? Let's go to Abraham. Let's go to Genesis chapter 14. Oh, my brothers, I'm going to close you in a minute because I want you to realize God had to teach me that I, I thought tithes was material stuff. But tithes has always been the body and the blood of God. Because the life of the flesh and the blood, yeah, it's in the flesh. So the flesh, that blood of God is in us through the life of Christ Jesus. The one that he said, I'm going to put on the altar. Jeez. So Abraham went to war. I'm going to cut this short. Abraham went to war. Five kings took Lot. The one from somewhere out of there took Lot. And they did the wrong thing. Abraham got 318 of his strongest men. And that's what the ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of uh, the, the spiritual cuts ministry is developing. Leaders. Male and female. Leaders. Because leadership don't have a gender. Leadership have power behind the person who's doing it, behind the person who's performing it. A woman can perform what a man can when it comes to God. You don't believe me? Go to John chapter 20 when he told Mary to go teach and preach to Peter and John them the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God that was first preached. Go to Holder. Go to Deborah. When Deborah went out and fought and said, Joker, look here in the book of Judges. He said, look, I'm going to fight for you, but you're going to get my props when I come back. You are not going to say you've done all this and done all that. My name will be at the top as a woman. 
See, all this woman stuff has been fulfilled through the law. When Paul talks about a woman, he says that in that according to the law. Joker, you just told me two months ago, two paragraphs ago, that the law was fulfilled. You need to make up your mind, Paul, in your teaching. Come on. So I'm letting you know, women and men, look what God says. And map in Genesis chapter Chapter 14, verse 18. Abraham found him 318 bona fide men and went fought like we're supposed to be fighting death. See, death never afraid. Never was Abraham was never afraid of death. He just didn't comprehend that God had to kill his body in order for God to lay a live body on top of the dead body. See, the living body of Christ had to lay on top of Abraham's dead body. The living body of Christ had to lay on top of, uh, 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 what's her name, Sarah's dead body. And when the dead body was risen by Christ, it was a picture of Jesus being raised from the dead. And we are the body of Jesus in the daily, in the daily process because God is showing you, showing me that I got the power to raise the body up. And I got the power to lay it down. So now let me get to this end so we can close. Genesis 8, Genesis 14, verse 18. And then Machedadek, king of Salem, bought bread and wine. And he was the priest of God, the most high God. And he blessed him, Abraham, and said, blessed the Abraham of the most high. So the lesser was blessed by the greater. That's what we are building. We are building kingdoms. We are building kings and we are building queens who can bless the lesser to show them that God wants them to be great as being the lesser. So the lesser was blessed by the greater in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 7. And it says, verse 7 in Hebrews chapter 7, and the lesser was blessed by the greater, the Machelzadeh. But I want to discuss the bread and the wine because it's the blood and the body of God. Just like God changed the water into wine, he changed the water of the blood of the spirit of Jesus that was at the cross into a body that was spiritual from the beginning in Genesis 1.26. Just like the blood and the wine here was the body and the blood of God changed the dead body. In Abraham and quickened Sarah's womb. Because this blood and wine is Christ. That's his name. So now Christ is still in the picture with the blood and the wine. And God is speaking to his people. The blood and the wine that Machadadak in Abraham was the 10%. It took Abraham 25 years to realize that he was in a body that was producing and it could not produce until a seed died and falls to the ground. Abraham's body finally fell to the ground at a 100 years old, 99 years old, fell to the ground and Joker couldn't produce nothing. Sarah already had a dead body. And God says, now, my 10%, my seed that I produced in you way back 25 years ago. How many times you've been since you've been 25 years ago? I've been two times 25 plus a little bit more. How many times you've been, even if it's just one time 25, and if you're under 25, how many times you've been 25 years ago? 
He produced a body and it didn't show up. And the 10% and 10 become dead. So you, as I, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise because we understand the 10%. Now let's go back to Matthews. <laughs> Matthews 13 verse 8. And you shall receive 30 and 60. So the 10% is for the 30 and the 60. So you grow in the 30, you go in the 30 with the 10 is 40, and as you get to 40, you get excited like I am, and you get the 60 and glory. When you start believing in eternal life, you add 100% where God called you to be at glory. Come on. This is the group that is a part of the regeneration, my brothers and sisters. This is the group, the 10, the 60, the 100%, the last should be first, the first should be last. Everything you did first need to be last now. Everything you did last need to come up first. This is Pastor Lee Washington coming to you live from out of Agory, Atlanta, Georgia. We thank you, my brothers and sisters. We praise God for blessing us over and over and over again. May God bless you and your family forever. You can reach us at 678-764-1614. You can go on podcast, the Promise of Our Father podcast, the Spiritual Cuts Ministry Workshop Center, Pastor D. Washington, and check us out. We got some episodes, and my brother, we're going to continue to rightly divide the word of truth. We got books online that you can go check out on Amazon, Books Amelia, Barnes & Nova, and check it out. The books matches with the podcast. Tell your friends, your loved ones, and everybody that you think should know about this living word that God has given us the 30, the 60, and the 100 through the 10% when he gave it to Abraham in a body that was made without hands, that was preserved until 25 years later, produced the promise of God. The promises of God is yes and amen in the same seed that he put in Abraham. Hi, Jesus, who is Christ, and that is his name. For his name's sake, we're giving up the things that we think we're supposed to love. We've not stopped loving them. We're putting them in priority. We're putting them in perspective. Put them in a position in a place they belong. If they want to go, let them go. If they want to be, let them be. But oh, you can't let them take your focus from off the glory of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is the glory of God, Christ, and the spirit of him as the promise of our Father. This is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live. May God continue to bless you and your family forever.